Forgive me, saints. I got, I got all tore up during the song service. I, music has that effect on me. It pulls me into worship and in amazement, quite frankly. And I just love the Lord so much. He's he's been so so close to us here lately. Some people may think that's a silly statement with all that's going on, but the fact is, it's the truth. I told Brother Brad <laughs> this morning. I said. Uh, I said, I could give you the scriptures and everything, but I never know what the Lord's going to do. And all the way here, he just kept putting something in my mind over and over again. And so he, uh, he changed the opening for me a little bit. And he wanted me to read something from Second Chronicles. There was a situation where uh, the people were facing great peril. I want to read this before I read the, the opening uh, scriptures that the Lord gave me for this for the topic this morning and and I think you'll understand why so if you'll forgive me for the the lengthy reading but we're at home most of us in in, in comfort so it shouldn't be so bad Judah was about to be invaded King Jehoshaphat came before the people and and prayed to the Lord and the thing that was amazed me so much about Jehoshaphat is how honest he was and what he said to the Lord. And it, it triggered a response from the king, the real king. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation. This is chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built the a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, if, when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, when thou wilt hear and help. Then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou Wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Amen. Now the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. And in verse 15 it says, And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and now King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, 
We are in a battle, but this battle is not ours, it's God's. We are undefeatable because this battle is not ours, it's God's. There may be a great multitude coming against us. There may be great sickness coming against us. But there is a fire in us that the enemy cannot put out, that the enemy cannot put darkness against. No matter what he tries, he has never put out this light. He has never extinguished this flame, Brother Donnie. He has never been able to do it. He has tried. He has hit us. He has attacked us. He has done everything that he could to try to, to, try to quench this fire. But he will not put out this fire. He will not put this fire into darkness. He will not prevail because the battle is the Lord's. Oh, my goodness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much. Lord, the way your word just comes and comforts us. The way you, you come and you speak to our hearts, Lord, and you guide us. You direct us. We're led of your spirit, Lord. And we know that you are real. We know that you work among us. You work in us. You, you're everything to us, Lord. You're the water of life. You're the bread of life. You're everything. You're everything. You're our king. You're our friend, our brother. You're our Lord. You're the captain of our salvation. You're everything to us. The more you reveal yourself to us, the more we love you. Lord Jesus, we don't fit in in this world. We're pilgrims and we're just traveling through it. And Lord, the day when we can come together and be with you, Lord, I cannot even come close to imagining how wonderful that's going to be. But we're coming soon. You're coming soon. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the opening scripture this morning is from 2 Timothy. And don't be discouraged when I read this. I think you'll find out why if the Lord can help me this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul's talking to Timothy. And he's, he's telling Timothy what to expect. He's telling us what to expect. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Did he say because of sickness? Did he say because of war, because of famine? He goes into verse 2 and says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Lord, ask, all we ask is that you add your blessing to this today, Lord. Set me aside and have your way and your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated, saints. You know, the perilous times that Paul saw had little to do with the condition of the world or what we faced in the world, but it had everything to do with attitude, the attitude of the people. So, I find great comfort in these words. I find great comfort in what God brings to us. Brother Branham said, in the, in the comforter. <laughs> Let us go back just a few minutes and find those men who kept God's great sacred trust that was in His Word. That's what we inherit, is the Word. And in the time of strain, in the time of perplexity, in the time of distress, in the time of perilous times, they found comfort in keeping the Word. The Word is God's comfort. 
When you know and can talk and can walk down even the, the valley of the shadow of death and know that God said so, that settles it. God said so. You can't say, well, the pastor said it or the church said it. You can say, God said so. That's the comfort we get. That's where I can find comfort now. That's where you found your comfort. God said so. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? See, it's comfort. It's the comfort we get. It's the comfort we get. You know, I, I, I love it when, when we think about God being with us. But I always correct it in my mind whenever we're singing a song or whenever somebody says it. or you know, God, Somebody will say, well, God's with us. You know, He's not with the enemy. He's with us. He's not with, with the ones who are doing this or the ones who are doing that. He's with us. And I always correct it in my mind and say, He's in us. 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 This comforter dwells within me. This comforter doesn't just walk outside of me, beside me, and pat me on the back and say, you know, Brother Harry, you're going to be okay. You're going to make it through this. Brother Donnie, you're going to be all right. You're going to make it through. No, he's inside me saying, we're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. He, he suffers with us. Everything we go through, we're never alone. He never forsakes us, and we're never alone. We're, he's, he's always there for us. You know, a lot of people don't understand the nature. The nature of, of coming before the people. And, and, and preaching the Word of God. They don't understand the, the heavy burden of it. And the Lord has to constantly remind me, He has to constantly remind me that He's not with me, He's in me. It's not me bearing this burden. I'm, I'm like a lot of people. My weakness is I want to carry the load. I want to carry it. I want to carry it for Brother Donnie. I want to carry it for Brother Brad. I want to carry it if, I, if somebody's sick or somebody needs something or somebody's going through something and they make it known to me. I start carrying that burden. And... The Lord has to constantly remind me, Wes, if you'll just give that to me, I'll carry it. I'll carry it. Just give it to me. Just trust me. The battle is mine, Wes. It's not yours. It's not yours. And something about us makes us feel like, well, that's just too easy. That's just too easy. I, I think sometimes the, the, the volume knob gets turned up on our trials and our troubles just to remind us, okay, I'm going to keep piling things on or letting things be piled on until you realize that you can't do it. You've got to hand it over. You know, I come before, I come before the laver. I'm, I'm going to read this from Exodus 30. And, and, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. And thou shalt put water therein for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat when they go into the tabernacle of the congregation. They shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord, so they shall wash their hands and their feet and they die not. And it shall be a statute for even to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their, their generations. Now, now we are all priests and kings. Brother Darrell, you're a priest and a king before the Lord. Sis, you're a priest and a king. And I know that's, that's strange. It's just like it's strange for me to accept that I'm, I'm a bride. You have to accept that you're a king, I guess. 
we have to accept these things. We have to look at it and we have to all wash. And you know, these, these, the laver was made of brass and it was made from mirrors. You know, the mirror that the women stood before and judged themselves, by, judged their appearance. God didn't do that by accident. We know that brass stands for judgment. And we have to judge ourselves and we have to look and we have to say, you know, when I come before the Lord, you're sitting there in your homes with your children, your wife. Your, maybe, maybe you're alone sitting and watching this service, but you're not alone because Jesus is in you. He'll never forsake you. But you may be sitting there with your family and before the service, you know, it's important that even though we're not coming to church, sometimes we come, you know, when we gather together and we sit in the congregation and we pray before the service and, and the Lord will start moving on us. He'll start moving on the congregation. He'll start moving on the people. Pray for your pastor. He's back there right now. He's under such strain and such stress to make sure that he can get himself out of the way. Pray for this man. The things that come against him that you don't know about. All the heavy burdens that come up against him day in and day out. And, and against his family and against just because of his service here. You know, you know Superman hid under the, the guise of Clark Kent to keep people from going after Lois Lane. That was how he, you know, that, that's his girlfriend. He, did, he had to hide his identity so that they wouldn't go after Lois Lane. Brother Donnie is, is a step further along than Superman because he can't hide behind anything. Satan's got his name, his address, his phone number. He's got it all. Believe me, he has your phone number, doesn't he, brother? And <laughs> he has it all. He has it all. We can't hide behind that. And the, and, and the servants of God and we as individuals also carry burdens for our families and those around us. And, and we feel so vulnerable sometimes because of that. We feel so vulnerable and we feel so weak and there's nothing wrong in that as long as you know that the Lord has got all of this under control. The battle is the Lord's. The battle is His. It gives me strength to know that. My fear starts to wash away. Every, all the burden starts to wash away. The weight starts to come off when I realize, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is God's, not mine. He's brought it to my attention. But He wants me to address it with faith, not fear. And, and that, that's the peril that we, we operate under in this world today. You know, there, there's something about demon possession that people don't understand. They have a Hollywood version of it in their minds. And what they don't understand is that Demon possession is like being in a cell. It's like being a prisoner. It's like being locked in a dark cell back in the corner in the dampness and darkness and hopelessness and despair of a jail cell surrounded by sin, embodied in the visage of demons, circling about, speaking in your ear, telling you evil things, giving you bad advice. Sometimes they're religious demons if you're, if you're possessed by a religious demon, which is the worst. Sometimes they're demons of lust, of, of, of thievery, of lying, of whatever you name it, addiction, whatever it is. And they're just circling around you, mingling around you. The cell is full. They're there. And you feel so alone. And the religious demon being the worst one keeps people so oppressed and so beat down because they're so alone. And, and they're getting all these voices all the time and they're hearing all these things that tell them how to fake it, how to, how to put on a pretense, how to put up a wall that's not real, how to, how to, to walk in the world and be accepted by the, the, the other religious people around you. Or, or, you know, how to hide, how to hide, how to, you know, th there's this thing that... Uh, in that they say in prisons, uh, snitches get stitches. 
And that's how the devil operates. He doesn't want you to tell anyone what you're fighting with, what you're struggling with, and you're locked in this cell alone. And anybody who's been a sinner that was lost and outside of the grace of God, locked in this cell, they don't realize that there's somebody standing outside the door. The bars are made of fear, of scars, of voices, of things we tell ourselves. And in this, in this prison, we sometimes forget who we are. But there's somebody standing outside of that door. And the battle is his. We fight our way to the door, especially those with a religious spirit. They fight their way. And they, they push and they strain and they struggle and they cry out at an altar and they, they punch and they swing and they, they fight blindly with blind eyes towards a door they cannot find. And, and they know that it's there, but they, they, they can't find it. And he's standing right there outside of the door. And one day, one day over the noise of the voices, you hear a voice crying out clear and strong. And it peers right in. It peers right in through that cell, right through that crowd. And it finds you back there in that dark corner. And it says, Wes! And the ground shakes. And the door swings open. And he reaches in. And he takes you by the hand. And you suddenly, for the first time in your life, have your first revelation that this is the power that holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. It's the only one. It's the captain of my salvation. He's the only one that can take a hold of me and pull me from this cell. He's the only one that can pull me past the fears of what might happen, past the the doorway of the gate of hell and take me out into freedom and lead me. And when, and, and, and when we have that salvation experience and we find the Lord Jesus and we're set free and we have such great faith and we have such great hope and the Lord puts a hedge around us and nurses us and He heals us and He brings great men of God before us who speak the Word and minister to us and help us to grow and to get strong. And then sometimes when we face times of great peril, and I do believe that this is the greatest time of peril we have faced as the bride. I believe that it is in this age. I believe it's the greatest time of peril that we have faced. We've never faced anything like this. We could not have imagined this. We could not have foreseen this outside of some prophet standing and saying that it was going to happen. We couldn't, we couldn't see it, and, and he did. But we just didn't know how to interpret it until it came. But now we see. Now we see what was spoken of. And the thing is, the greatest peril of this time is not the sickness. It is the attitude. It's the attitude. It's exactly what Paul said. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You know... Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. You know, nobody knew what took place 
inside of West Willis. When one night I fell before the Lord in repentance. You see, those people that we love with godly love that are in our lives, we love them with all of our hearts. And we love them with godly love. And we look at them. And we look at them the way God looked at us. And they don't know it. We look at the doubters and the scoffers and the ones who, who have so many questions. A, a, a streak of fear runs over me sometimes when a young person says, Brother Wes, I need to talk to you. I've got some questions. When they say that, I immediately run cold. And I say, okay. And I usually, I usually will tell them to call me like two or three days later. Or call me on Monday. Call me... Call me on Tuesday. Tuesday's a good day for me because I know I need some time to pray. I need some time to prepare myself because I've become impatient with the devils that come through people's voices. If a person has questions and those questions are actually accusations against the prophet, against the word, against my God, then I've learned to say, you know, I don't have time for you. Now you might think, well, Brother Wes, that's cold. But I'll tell him, I'll say, if you love the Lord Jesus and you're seeking Him, I can help you. If you're looking for a way to fight God and to push God away, I'm not going to help you. I'm not going to add to it. Because your attitude is wrong. You can't approach God that way. Now, he reached into my cell and pulled me out. I have absolutely no doubt. I am free from doubt and I have faith because I know there was a change. The thing is, nobody else can see that. Brother Donnie, it wasn't something that was like lightning striking me. I didn't go from being Billy Batson to you know, Shazam. I didn't turn into Superman or Captain Marvel. I, I, it didn't happen overnight that way. People couldn't see the difference right away. It, it took a lot of time for the Lord to mold me and shape me. You see, he's an artist. He is the greatest artist of all time. And I try to never forget that he is a, such a great artist. That, that is how he reveals himself is through his works. And this great artist who, who lived alone, who lived alone, Brother Branham says it best. Watch carefully now and see this. Before there ever was a speck of stardust, before God was God, God is an object of adoration and no one was there to worship him. So he was at that time only potentially God and he was known only as eternal spirit the bride was already in his mind yes she was she was existing in his thoughts and what about those thoughts of God they are eternal are they not Amen. that's from the Smyrna church age now this great artist he existed back there and he had Wes Willis in his mind He said, a stroke of my brush on the canvas of time is going to reveal Wes Willis. And I didn't know it when I bypassed my theophany and came here to this earth. I did not know that. It was, I was not aware of it. I was back there in my cell trying to figure out how to make sense of this world. Trying to figure out why I could not contain my anger, my frustration. 
my disillusionment of, of what, what, what my future was supposed to be, how nothing was working out the way that I had planned it. And in mercy, he said, here's who you are. Now, when that change takes place, it takes a believer and it transforms them into a person of faith, into a child of God, because what happens is there's a transformation that takes place. When he brought me to repentance, and it's him that has to do it, when he brought me to repentance, he laid my life before me. He showed me things I didn't even know were sins. He showed me things I'd forgotten. He laid it all out there. I, I, I soaked that couch in tears that night. Asking him if he was really there, if he was really real, would he speak to me? And he just suddenly had mercy. His mercy and his grace was revealed through my broken life. And he laid it all out there. And when I got it from that couch, I was never the same again. I was never the same. And a change took place. A reality set, set into my soul that could never turn around, that could never go back. This is what an unbeliever doesn't have. So we have to look at them with love. We have to look at them with mercy because they've not come to that point yet where they know. You see, I don't have just faith, but I have knowledge of who I am. I know I am a son of God. I know that I was in his mind before any of this ever existed. I know that that was me. I know that I'm an expression of his love. I know that I am the work of his hands. And there is no doubt about that because I know who I was before he took hold of me. So if you're an unbeliever, if you're a scoffer, if you're a doubter, if you're having trouble, what you have to do is you have to go and you have to be alone with God. You have to stop listening to the voices in your head and you have to start finding the comfort of the Word. You have to reach out to Him and you have to say, please give me some of your great mercy. Please have mercy on me. Show me who I am. Please change me. We have young people who are seeking the Holy Ghost and the reason they haven't got it is because they're seeking it on their own terms. They don't believe that the battle is the Lord's. They don't believe they can hand their life over to Him and say, you do it because I can't. They call me up and they say, Brother Wes, I'm having trouble with this. I'm having trouble with that. And I'll give them the best counsel I can give them. But the fact is, this battle that they're trying to fight is the Lord's. And they just have to give it to Him. And they say, how do I do that, Brother Wes? How do I do that? You wait. You wait. You pray. You seek. And He will come to you. He will clear that path like He did for me. He did it for me. He, he looked at me from this spot right here and pointed right at me and said my name. He told me, I got your number. He revealed the thoughts of my heart. People say, I wish Brother Brandon was still here. If he would just reveal the thoughts of my heart, then I'd be okay. I'd know it was all real. I wouldn't have any more doubts. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wonder if Brother Brandon was real. I wouldn't wonder if he was really a prophet. I wouldn't wonder if God was real. I wouldn't wonder about any of these things anymore. If he would just reveal the thoughts of my heart. The fact is, you're lazy. If you'd just pray... If you just seek God, He promised in His Word, and you will find that comfort. If you seek Him, you will find Him. 
You parents, you're sitting there right now in your living rooms and you're looking at your teenagers and their eyes are glazed over and they're staring off into space and they're thinking about whatever video game they're going to be playing next instead of what this preacher is saying right now and you're worried for their souls and you're concerned or maybe they're out in the world and you couldn't even get them to come listen to this if your life depended on it. And you're concerned and you're worried and, and, and you don't realize you don't realize that God is allowing you to share His own heart when you feel that way. He's allowing you to share His own heart. He came to a world that He spoke into existence with His own Word. He spoke it into existence with His own Word and it rejected Him. You put your blood, your sweat, your tears, your heart, your prayers, you put it all into that young person and what have you gotten from it? And He says, you got the same thing I got. I love you. I'm letting you experience this with me. And if you'll just stop for one second, you'll realize that the battle is not yours. Amen. The battle is the Lord's. And all of a sudden, you're, you just split open and all the weight comes off of you. All the pressure comes out. Your pressure cooker pops and God takes over. And if by faith you can believe what I'm saying, He'll do it. He'll do it. The first thing was that God wanted to reveal Himself to the people. He couldn't do it as a great Jehovah God who covered all space, time, and eternity. He could not. He is too great to ever be revealed to people because it would be too mysterious. How could that great being that never did begin that after you went beyond the cycle of hundreds of billions and trillions and trillions of years of light space and on out into the infinite, into eternity, and a great creature that was all that and still is. How could he? How could he reveal himself? He had to humble himself down and become one of us. And then he had to come down now in the comfort of his word and say, I'm going to allow you, Brother Harry, to see the revelation of me by seeing the same things I've seen, by going through the same things I've gone through. You were made in my image. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I've never took my finger off your pulse. Not one time. Not for one second have I ever left you alone, Brother Donnie, or forsaken you. Not for one second. Amen. And I'm going to reveal myself to you in a very sacred, very personal way. I'm going to let you feel what I felt. I'm going to let you experience what I've experienced. I think that's the greatest fellowship of all. When we reach a level of maturity where we can look at God and we can say, thank you. Thank you so much for letting me go through this. Now that you've shown me why you let me go through it, it makes so much sense. Right. I, I can see it. I can see it. And it, it makes me want to apologize. It makes me want to repent all the more because of the times that I have done this to you. And you gave me mercy. I can trust you to give others mercy. I love him so much. I just love him so much. He's so good to us.
You know, I, I suffered a loss, and we all suffered a loss here recently. A, a sister Nancy Elrod passed away a few days back, and whenever I ever preached, and that woman was in the congregation, and it's been several times. She was one of those that completely opened her heart. And she pulled, she would pull you away from the entire congregation, right to her. And she would pull so hard. And she just knew she was going to be here for the rapture. Now, I, I didn't know Sister Nancy very well personally. I just knew her as somebody who sat in the congregation, somebody who spoke a few words to me after I would preach. But I was always so relieved when I would see her there. Because she held nothing back. She held nothing back. She would call me and she would say, Brother West, would you pray? And I'd say, yes, sis, what, what do you need? And she'd go, I just need you to pray. She had enough faith in God to know that it didn't matter if I knew as a man what it was. That if I would just pray and, jo and join with her and agree that God would do it. And this happened many times over the years. The night that she passed away, she called me. We were in the drive-thru getting ready to get some food and she said brother west will you pray for me and i said yes i said what 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 is it sis i could tell she sounded really troubled she said i just i just need you to pray brother i said okay we stopped right in the drive-thru and started praying me and the family we just i said we need to bow our heads I, i'm really upset by this she sounded troubled i don't know what it is found out the next morning that she had passed away I'll tell you this, the only thing that troubled her about passing away was, was not being here for the rapture when it occurred. She, she wanted to actually be here. She wanted to be here. She believed she was going to. She, it, she believed it so strongly that she refused to accept the fact that she might pass away before the rapture came. That's faith to me. That's, that's the way, you know, if, if the Lord tarries and I go that way, I want to go like she did. I do. Now here's the thing you need to know about an artist. And I'm going to speak from the heart for a minute. Is that okay, Brother Donnie? There's a lot of artists in our congregation. And if you're not an artist, this might be hard for you to understand, but just try. Just try to see it. As an artist, you have a vision inside of you, and you try to, you try to reveal that image in some way, that vision in some way, that, that idea that you had, that inspiration that you had. You try to reveal it. You try to really as a poem, as a, as a painting, as a sculpture, or whatever. And, and it's something, and you, you work on it your whole life. And you continue to work, and to work, and to work, and to what end, you don't even know. You're just trying to, you, 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 it's, like I said, you're like a pressure cooker, and you've got to let the valve off. Brother Darrell, you understand this, you're an artist. Sometimes it's frustrating, isn't it, when you can't express it the way you want. You get this picture in your mind and you're trying so hard to draw it the way you want to draw it or paint it the way you want to paint it. And you see it and you just feel like you can't do it justice and you just try so hard. And occasionally you'll get one that's just the way you envisioned it and you'll be like, wow. And it's not a, a sense of self-pride or anything like that, but you're just so happy that you could express something and get it out. Now for an artist, and Brother, Brother Darrell, you, you, you know about this too. If you create a piece of art, you don't give it away lightly. Some people do it for money's sake. I never could be a commercial artist. That's why it didn't work out for me. I just, I just, I couldn't sell that. I, it just didn't work. So I, if I want to give somebody a gift of art, I'll, I'll give it to them. First of all, it's a very sacred thing. They may not realize it. 
and I don't want to sound strange, but I mean, it's just something you, it's, you're giving yourself, you're giving a piece of yourself to this person. And how they receive it is very important because for them to reject it or to say something or to scoff at it or make fun of it would break your heart. So first off, you have to trust them. Before you reveal yourself to them, you have to trust them. Before you give them your vision, you have to trust them. You have to love them. Most of the time, anyway. Now, God being an artist, the greatest of all, He also signs His work. He signs His work. He gives us His name. To me, That was one of the most sacred trusts that God could give us, was baptism. That's why it means so much to me. It means so much to me. Just a simple, it seems like a simple baptism. Because he's signing his work. And you say, well, Brother Wes, that's a, an eight-year-old child. They don't even know what they're doing. Well, he doesn't ever start anything that he doesn't finish. Right. If they're a real seed of God, that's, that's, that's got his name on it. So, you know, in our pride and our arrogance, we might have some thoughts that we'll be ashamed of one day. But when I lower somebody into that water and I raise them back up and they take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I see a, so much happening in that moment. I see so much happening in that moment. My, my son's girlfriend's brothers came to visit and they were staying with us uh, and the youngest one, we, we baptized him while he was here. The last time he was here, he accepted the Lord on the, on the road back home. And, and as we were talking, and he had started asking questions, and he accepted the Lord. And so when he was here this time, we took him and baptized him. And I told him, when I raised him up out of the water, I said, you don't know what you've done, but you've taken the Lord's name. I said, now don't take it in vain. Don't take it in vain. Let him live through you. I said, read the scripture, fill yourself up with the scripture so that your soul will have something to fight with. I said, feed on that scripture. It'll comfort you, it'll help you, it'll give you strength, it'll give you instruction, it'll lead you, it'll guide you. I said, feed on it, feed on it. Just pull it all in, get, get as much of it as you can. You know, and of course, when we're done, he, we get out of the water and everything. And he's a very, he's a very energetic little boy. He's climbing trees and everything on the way, way from the river. And he had told me, he said, I want to be, he said, I want to be baptized down in the river. He said, I, he said, I see, I see like crystal water and trees and just being in nature and just being with God. He said, that's where I want to, because I asked him, I said, you want to be baptized at the church or do you want to go somewhere else? I said, and he, he said, I want to go to the river. And I said, okay. And he told me why. And I was like, yeah, we can do that. No question. We can do that. And it's such a sacred moment. It's such, such a sacred moment. And you say, well, Brother West, we're in the middle of a battle. What, what, are, you, what are you talking like this for? What are you... You know, we talk about John 3.16. We talk about the, the difference between the bride and the John 3.16s. I was at a car dealership the other day. I was uh, looking at a used vehicle where 
I'm giving my truck to James and I'm trading for a, for a, a newer used truck. And there was a young man there and he, he was only 20 years old. And uh, while we were waiting, he was texting. He's 20, you know. He's constantly on that phone, even though he's in the middle of a car deal. He doesn't understand that the person who's thinking about putting thousands of dollars down might want him to take it a little more serious. But he's sitting there every few seconds, he's texting. He's just texting and texting, you know. And he's like, I was like, okay, maybe this will give me an opportunity to, to really squeeze him a little, you know, get the price down a little bit more because he's not paying attention, you know. But uh, anyway, he's, he's going on and on. He goes, he stopped and he looked up at him and he said, I'm sorry. He said, I. I don't, I don't mean to be texting so much. He said, my sister, he said, my sister's just had a baby and, and it's a bastard. Well, that shocked me. It was this car salesman. He goes, my sister just had a baby and it's a bastard. And I was kind of shocked. See, I don't ever mention that I'm a preacher. I don't ever mention that I'm anything about God or I don't mention anything religious when I'm doing a car deal or a business thing, anything like that, because I don't want somebody to think I'm using God to twist their arm, to squeeze another drop out of them or something like that. I, I just feel in my conscience that's wrong. Not that I'm ashamed of the Lord, because I always wait until it's over with to let them know. Uh, so anyway, he said, we're very, my family's very religious and he said, we're just all tore up because this baby was born out of wedlock and the dad's a drug addict and we just don't know what to do. We just don't know what to do about it. And he said, we're just all tore up. And I said, I'm so sorry, brother. I said, I said I'll pray for you. I'll pray for the baby. I'll pray for the mama. I'll pray for the, the daddy. He said, thank you. We had already kind of worked it down to the best deal I could get and that's when I let Lisa loose on him so I figured it was fair for me to tell him I'd pray for him I always let Lisa loose on him and she told me this morning uh, she said she said you better not say anything about me today <laughs> and I said well you better repent so I guess she didn't repent enough but anyway <laughs> I always turn her loose because buddy and, and I tell him too I said now when we're going to we're going to work it down to as far as we can go and I said then I'm letting her loose on you and they like they always kind of laugh you know and then uh, when it's all said and done, they're not laughing anymore. I promise you that. She gets them down way further than I can. She just, she tears them up. So uh, anyway, after that, we were waiting for the finance guy to, to get free. And uh, I told him, I said, uh, so your, your family's real religious. I said, uh, where do you go to church? And he goes to a church across down here in Elizabeth. And I told him where I went. He said, I used to go to the Lutheran church. And I said, oh, I love Luther. And he looked at me really funny, and, and I realized it wasn't that he, was, he thought it was odd that I would love Luther. It was odd that he, because he didn't even know who I was talking about. He had no idea who I was talking about. I said, you know who Luther is? He's the one who founded the Lutheran church. And he said, oh, oh, okay. And I said, oh, I love him. And he goes, oh. And I could tell he knew nothing. So I said, I said you know what Luther did, don't you? And I started telling him about the Reformation and about how they sold indulgences. And it was like, he was so shocked he was just eating it up he didn't want the finance guy to get free he was just oh my goodness i can't believe it. he goes the the catholic church really did that and i said yeah i said you can look it up i said it's the truth and you know and i was just talking to him he was so hungry he was so hungry and i told him i said you, you need to come by sometime when we open services back up again and visit with us i said 
he, he said that the, the owners there were Christians at the dealership he worked at and, and that they prayed every morning and everything. I said, well, sometime come and visit us, you know, and I just told him. And uh, I realized that John 3.16 went a little bit further than I thought. Brother Donnie, I realized a little bit more about how Jesus reveals himself through us. That this artist had you, Brother Daryl, in his mind. Did you, Brother Joe? Did you, Brother Brad? Brother Donnie? Had you in his mind. And here you are. And you're his gift to the world. He gave his only son. Where is he right now, Brother Daryl? He's in you. He gave you to this world. He gave us to this world. He gave me to that young man sitting at that car dealership. He wrote his name in me. How can you love him anymore? How can we love him? How can we possibly love him enough? How can we worship him enough? How can we give him anymore? You know, all the afflictions of this world, they're, they're just a sideline. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. Look at what he did. Look at what he shared. Look at what he revealed, not only to us, but in us. See, that's the thing that we can't forget. He's revealed in us to a lost world. He's so beautiful. He's so wonderful. He made himself so vulnerable to do that. As an artist, I've laid my artwork in other people's hands before. And I thought, you know, this will outlive you if it doesn't get burned up in a house fire or something like that. I said, it'll outlive you. You know, I think it, and I think I'm giving you a piece of me and you don't even know it. Something that was in here came through here and out onto this paper. And what was in God's mind came through his heart and became a gift to the world. And if we could see ourselves that way, you know, I've looked into the face of people who've lied to me, who've taken advantage of me, who have used me, who've been sneaking around behind my back doing things they shouldn't be doing. And they look at me and they think I don't know. And the godly love in me lets them think that. Because God let me think that before. And I hand them over to God and I say, the battle is yours. It's not mine, Lord. The battle is yours. I'm going to close with this. I don't know how long I've gone. I don't know if I've gone too short or too long. I, I pray that... Whatever it was, it glorified the Lord. But I'm going to close with Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know, if you're sick, be sick like a Christian.
If you're successful, be successful like a Christian. Whatsoever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to go. You know, the, the one thing that really bothers me is when I'm surrounded by unbelievers, the stress of being surrounded by them and being alone in the midst of unbelievers has always been a problem for me because that's when I get frustrated. That's when I get sort of stern. That's when I get a little bit gruff, a little bit intolerant. It's even worse when it's your family. And you get a little bit, you know, they, they, they may look at you and think, well, is she even a Christian? The way she's acting, is she even a Christian? She's telling me about God? Look at the way she's acting. It's easier not to act that way when you realize that he's sharing how he felt with you when you're going through that. It makes it easier to love them, to wink an eye at their ignorance, and to wait for the day when the battle overcomes them and the battle is his, not ours. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I don't guess any one of us feels worthy to bear the signature of your hand <laughs> across our soul. I guess very few of us, Lord, can really, really feel worthy in any way of carrying that great honor. But Lord, it's you that chose to do it. It's you who were alone and wanted us. It's so hard for me to even fathom how how that could be so, how you could want me, how you could be lonely for me, how you couldn't wait for the day when I would come onto the scene and you would start working through my life and changing me and molding me and shaping me with your artist's hand and finally coming to the point where you would sign me and seal me. Lord, I was talking to a brother yesterday and I said, I said, I just feel like right now we're just topping off the tank and we're just getting ready to leave. We're just topping the tank off and we're getting ready to leave and, and screwing on the cap. And, and, and Lord, it couldn't be any more true now than it ever has been before. I feel like we're in the very last days and where this might bring some people fear to me, I, the only fear I have is that there won't be more that choose to lay their lives in your hands. Lord, the ultimate thing I can do to receive your revelation is to trust you. I trust my family. I trust my friends. I trust those who I come in contact with, Lord, are there because you placed them there, because you put them in the picture of my life. And Lord, I, I believe with all my heart that those that you have placed in the picture of my life that are there on that canvas with me are going to somehow be dealt with by you because the battle is yours. I'm just going to trust it. I'm going to stay down here in the corner with your signature across my soul and wait for the picture to be finished, to be completed, for you to say it is done. I, you said it from the cross, Lord. Now it's being manifested in our lives. It's finished. I love you, Lord. I thank you for everything that you're doing. No matter what the devil says, no matter... What he tries to say, I know the battle is yours. No matter what threats are made, no matter how big he seems, no matter how outnumbered we seem, I know the battle is yours. If I have financial trouble, the battle is yours. If I, 
If I'm fighting cancer, the battle is yours. I may be in the battle, but it is your battle. It's yours. You've already won it. I trust that, Lord, with all my heart. I, now more than ever before, you're the victor. I love you, Lord. I pray that you'll enter each and every home, each and every heart today. That you'll bring a warmth and a love there and an understanding there, Lord. And a wisdom that maybe has never been there before. Where we can tolerate and love those around us who maybe seem like they don't deserve it. And trust that you can move in their lives. Really, truly trust it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. Amen. Certainly appreciate that message this morning. Wes, certainly appreciate it. Let's just sing a little bit this morning. Oh, all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. All my sins are.
There's a kind of thing that breaks a man Amazing grace, 
has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Oh, my chains are Savior has ransomed me. Oh, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon. Snow, the sun forbear to shine. I like this. But God, who called me here below, He will be forever mine. My chains are gone. Every 
fails of this world We're getting closer Oh, the pull I felt was more than I could bear Oh, many times when I to know that no matter what we face in life that he's certainly with us 
Before we pray, I just want to take a moment and thank everyone who uh, prayed for us, and called and texted, brought things by the house to help us. And we certainly appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. And when Brother West was preaching, it reminded me uh, when I was, uh, I guess, the sickest. One night I was shaking so hard I, I had no control over my body. There's a, there's a fear that, that goes with the, this virus. And I was shaking so hard and I, I began to pray and I said, Lord, live or die, my life is in your hands and I trust you. And I was laying in the floor praying. And I, I saw a Bible. The Bible began to open and the pages began to turn. And it stopped on Luke chapter 8, verse 23. And it was Jesus in the great storm of the disciples that he was in the boat. And I realized... We've preached on that many times, but the reality of it is that when you're in the greatest storm of your life, the storm doesn't matter, the rain doesn't matter, the thunder, the light, none of that matters because he's in the boat. And if he's in the boat, we'll crest every wave and we'll make it safely to the other side. And I know the church has been through a great trial and the Maybe none of us ever thought that this, this, many of us would be affected with not only the virus, but the other sicknesses. But you know, he's in the boat. He's in the ship. He's in us. He's promised he would be. He'd never leave us, nor would he forsake us. And what an encouragement it is that no matter how sick we are or what we're facing, he's got it all in control this morning. He is the great artist who will bring forth that image in our lives. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, truly Lord, it is a great privilege and a great honor to call you Father. For Lord, those are not just words, but it is a revelation that we are your genetics, Lord, manifested on the earth. And Father, we thank you today, Lord, for the privilege we have to stand once again behind this pulpit and bow our heads to you, Lord. I want to thank you, dear God, for being my healer, for being my savior, for being my deliverer, for being my creator, Lord. Knowing, Father, that you created these bodies and they will obey your word. And Lord, as we come to a close today, once again, Lord, we bring the names of our prayer list before you. And we ask, God, may you visit every home, every heart, Lord, that's hurting today, everyone, Lord, that would maybe be in fear. May you speak peace, Lord, I pray. Those, Lord, in the hospital, may this be the day, dear God, that healing and restoration begins, Lord, that they could come safely back home and back into the foe. For with great tests comes great testimonies, Lord. We believe, dear God, that you are the author of our testimonies. Lord, we thank you for the word of God that we heard today. We thank you, Lord, that we understand 
Oh God, what a privilege it is to have your name attached to our lives, Lord. Bless Brother West, Lord, renew his strength, we pray. Bless each one that come out today, the musicians, Lord, and the singers and the electricians, Lord, and all that was done to bring this into the homes of the people. And Father, we long. Our hearts cry for the hour, Lord, that we can all come back together again. Lord, we pray, Father God, may there not be one more afflicted. For Lord, the enemy is not welcome in our bodies. He's not welcome in our homes. He's not welcome in our assembly. And we cast him out today in the name of Jesus Christ. For we are your children in the workmanship of your hands. And we love you, Lord. We commit this service now, Lord, and all that was done for your glory into your hands. Be with your people today. We love you, Lord, and we want to serve you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints, this morning. May the Lord bless you richly. Amen. Out on the waters, the storm raging high, the waters around them troubled their minds with fear in their hearts. They thought they might die. They failed to remember the master was nigh. He spoke the word and the winds all stood still. Even the waters obeyed his will. He'll calm their storms just like he will mine. If I just remember He lives deep inside So why should I worry? Why should I fear? The Thank you, Lord. Thank you, brother. And here's when I cry Till the storm passes by We read in the Bible How he walked with them Brought light to their darkness When the way grew so dim How great it would be to have his steps God bless you, saints, this morning. And to walk with the Master All of the time And when trouble came And death seemed so nigh They'd search for the Master He said he'd be there on time And when I'm in trouble my body's in pain. All I have to do, Lord, is call on your name. So why should I worry? Why should I fear that very same? 
Why should I worry? 